Welcome to the Women of TBC podcast. You'll hear content from women's Bible studies and other women's events. For more information, visit templebiblechurch.org. It's just good to be together. I hope you had a great discussion about Proverbs. We had such a good discussion at our table. Looking forward to this lesson with you today. I do have um, an announcement for you. Remember last week I told you that we're starting a new project between now and November 28th, our Advent worship night. We are going to be collecting items for Hope Pregnancy Center, uh, for gift bags that they give to every new mother. And I gave you a list of some things um, that we are collecting Small toys, rattles, teethers, small books, um, either hardcover, softcover, uh, and Similac formula. So feel free to bring those in over these next few weeks and drop them off on one of the carts that we'll have out there. And then I really want you to mark on your calendars November 28th for, um, for our Advent night. It's right here in this room where we share testimonies and get our minds prepared for the four weeks of Advent, hope, joy, peace, and love. We'll hear testimonies. Um, on each of those topics, and then we will be putting together those bags, those hope bags uh, for Hope Pregnancy Center. So I hope you will uh, put that on your calendar and come and join us. It's going to be hard because it's the Monday after Thanksgiving, and we gotta <laughs> we got to know that it's coming, <laughs> or it will come up on us uh, really suddenly. Okay, let's, um, let's stand together. We are going to we're gonna start with our, with our memory verse today, and then we're going to sing a song that I think Um, just deepens the memory verse. It's called, I Will Trust My Savior Jesus by City of Light. And I hope that it helps to prepare us as we dig into um, this lesson on Proverbs today. So let's first say say our verse together from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths.
Oh God, we are so thankful for Jesus. We're so thankful for the gift that was given for us and that proves to us, God, that you are infinitely gracious and merciful and kind, that you're trustworthy, that we can put our trust in you without hesitation, knowing that you're for us, that you love us, that you gave everything for us. So thank you. We just rest in you. God, I pray um, that today that you would that you would calm me for whatever reason. I feel nervous this morning. Would you, would you grant me peace? Would you grant us peace in this room? Would you give us wisdom as we, as we look into this book that you have left for us? Would you move me aside? Would you teach us through your Holy Spirit? Would you just, anything that I say that is just not, not of you, God, just help us to forget it very quickly. And the things that are from you, would you help us to put them into practice today? We love you. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. Well, I I learned early on as a mother that things were going to go a lot more smoothly in my house if I gave my kids some choices. Limited choices, but choices nonetheless, especially about what they wore, which was scary, and what they played. I gave them a lot of freedom. But of course, giving them those choices meant that they would choose poorly quite often. So I want to show you a video, one of my favorite videos of all time, of a little boy, a Texan no doubt, you're going to hear his little accent, it's the cutest thing, and he chose very, very poorly. And yet, he's so polite in discussing it with his mother. Now, I tried to give you a few of the words up on the screen because it's going to be hard to hear, and I'm going to ask Emily to turn it up. So I want you to listen really closely to this interchange with his mom. So you went and got a marker. You did it for one? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty upset. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe we could think about what we've done. You think thinking about what you've done is going to take away the marker all over your chest? You are officially never allowed to use a marker again. Yeah, but I did it wrong. Try paper next time. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Isn't that the cutest thing? Well, if we're honest with ourselves, we love to make our own choices, don't we? In fact, God made us this way. He gave us free will as his image bearers. As a loving father, he wanted us to choose to love him willingly. He wants us to trust him with all of our heart. And the only way that this can be real and authentic and non-coerced is to give us a choice. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Proverbs 3, 19 says that the Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. 
And so, God, Father, Son, and Spirit, by wisdom created male and female in their image. And he gave them the charge to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth, to subdue it and to have dominion over it together. And since wisdom was the blueprint, God declared what was good according to his wisdom. Would they fear God and trust his wisdom and choose to eat from the tree of life and live forever? Or would they decide for themselves what was good and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? The choice was theirs, and they chose poorly. Perhaps they were like the little boy, hiding from God in the cool of the day, saying, is my daddy going to be real mad? Maybe if we just think about what we've done, maybe all of this would just go back to the way that it was. But no, they couldn't. Sin had entered the world, and God was merciful to kick them out of the garden, lest they eat from that tree of life and live forever, separated from God by their sin. But their sin had consequences. And their relationship with one another and their relationship with their work was going to be frustrating from this point on, broken by sin. They would wait for Jesus, the one who would redeem them. And so it's been said that all of our life is really lived between these two trees, between the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I think in Proverbs we're going to see this theme. So I've entitled this lesson, Proverbs, Finding the Way Back to the Tree of Life. Now I want us to go back for a minute to 1 Kings, where we saw our author of this book, Solomon, King Solomon, he really, at the beginning of his reign, he followed the advice of his father David to love Yahweh above all else. And when he was given a choice, he pleased God. Remember that? We studied this a few semesters ago. He asked for wisdom. And God said to him in 1 Kings, if you want to look it up, chapter 3, verses 11 through 13, God says to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life, or riches, or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you, Solomon, a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all of your days." So in essence, Solomon appealed to the tree of life, to wisdom, and he ruled peaceably for a long time. Remember, the queen of Sheba even came to learn from him. I think this is so interesting that at this time, in his peaceful rule, a, a man and a woman were able to rule together in peace. But we saw how those riches and honor gave rise to temptation, and soon Solomon chose poorly. When he chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he just couldn't resist all the ladies. So by 1 Kings 11 verse 3, he had 700 wives, many of them foreigners whom God had said not to marry. And he also had 300 concubines, 1,000 women, and the text says that his wives turned away his heart 
from the Lord. So I want us to keep this in mind. As Solomon opens up this book of Proverbs, a book of wisdom and instruction for all his people, he starts with nine chapters of introduction that include ten speeches to his son, likely Rehoboam, his, the one who would succeed him. And perhaps because women were his weakness, or because he knew their great strength, he tells his son about the choice that he has between wisdom and folly, and he personifies the two as women. He tells his son that the pursuit of wisdom is really similar to, to the way that a man pursues a woman. You are to, to, to desire her, but also recognize that you can be fooled and seduced in the process. Wisdom, my son, leads to life, and folly leads to death. So remember back in the law, we studied this as well. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, I believe David has passed this truth on to Solomon. Solomon is trying to pass this truth on to Rehoboam. What we find in the law there, it says, When a king takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of the law taken from the Levitical priests. It's to be with him, and he is to read it all of the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord, his God, and follow carefully all the words of the law and his decrees, and not to consider himself better than all of his fellow Israelites and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. So I think Solomon has taken this to heart. And in chapter 1, he asks his son, how do you know if you're on the right path to wisdom? And he gives the answer in chapter 1, verse 7. He says, the fear of Yahweh, the fear, the reverence of God, respecting him by doing what he says is the beginning of all wisdom. And so this whole book is to teach Solomon's son and all of his people to learn the wisdom that is based on the fear of the Lord who always points us to Jesus. So all throughout these first nine chapters of Proverbs, we see Lady Wisdom likened to scenes from the garden. It's so interesting. Proverbs 3, verse 13 and verse 18 says, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. She is like a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. But then Lady Folly, on the other hand, hearkens back to the words of the serpent that he said to Eve. You see in Proverbs chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, it says, For the lips of the adulterous woman, this is Lady Folly, drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she's as bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. With persuasive words, she led him astray. So yes, this is definitely talking about the lure of sex, but it's also a metaphor here for so much more. Desire, or pursuing what you want, when you want it, in all of its forms, leads to sin, which leads to death. So then in chapter 6, he uses this other female analogy that's found in the garden. In chapter 6, verses 6 through 11, he says, Go to the ant, O sluggard. 
Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So remember back when I talked about Aesop's fables, that fable of the ant and the grasshopper? Here the ant represents the tree of life, wise in her foresight, preparation, and her hard work. And folly is like the laziness of a sluggard, maybe even Aesop's grasshopper. Well, there are many other descriptions of these two ladies throughout chapters 1 through 9. And we saw in our homework, I hope you, you, were, you enjoyed talking about this, um, how Lady Wisdom in chapter 8 found her fulfillment in Jesus. But I'm going to highlight just a few other references to these women. First, in Proverbs 1, verse 20, it says, Lady Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. And so that just means that wisdom is always available to us. You will see her everywhere in all kinds of situations. Always be on the lookout for her. Next, in Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, she teaches us to trust God. We've been saying this over and over. I want us to think about it for a minute this morning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's Lady Wisdom. And do not lean on your own understanding, Lady Folly. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And then it goes on. Be not wise in your own eyes. That's eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It'll be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. All the goodness of the tree of life. The Hebrew word here for trust means to throw oneself down on the ground, on your face, to lie down in complete reliance. So I thought of it like doing a belly flop right on God, right on top of God with all of your sin and all your failure and all your fears. We stake everything on the gospel promises of God. If God fails us, we are damned. But if God comes through, we are saved forever. Real trust is that blunt, that daring, that simple. If you trust Jesus entirely, then you will trust him exhaustively and exclusively. And if you do that, you will know him in all of your ways, and he will direct the course of your life. Well, finally, chapter 9 culminates in this big grand choice. Lady Wisdom has invited you to a great feast, but Lady Folly will seduce you to a house of death. I want you to look, if you want to open your Bibles here, chapter 9, verse 1. Lady Wisdom invites us. It says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts, and she has mixed her wine And she has set her table. And then in verse 5, Come, she says, eat of my bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live. And walk in the way of insight. But Lady Folly will look very similar. She will use similar language and offer similar food. You must trust God to show you the difference. 
Look at verse 13. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. But look at verse 18. But he doesn't know that the dead are there with her, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So both feasts look really good, just like both of the fruits on the tree of the good of the tree of fruit on the tree of life and the fruit on the tree of good and evil. They both looked good. We had to trust, we have to trust what God tells us to eat, what he tells us not to eat. We have to trust him to, to define wisdom for us. And so we have to be forewarned. We have to be forewarned that that's possible and we have to trust the Holy Spirit to show us. Well, then Proverbs chapters 10 to 30 gets really practical, but it continues to play on this choice. Will we choose to live by Lady Wisdom, God's goodness represented by the tree of life, or Lady Folly, doing things our own way? And he's going to address all kinds of really interesting topics, like friendship, marriage, parenting, money, home life, work life, how we use our words. And all the while, he's going to be counseling us against heart conditions like envy and gluttony and greed and lust and pride and laziness and wrath. So here's just some examples of some really great advice. If you want to flip, you can. This stuff is good. I hope you talked about this at your tables. Chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all you produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. That sounds wonderful, doesn't it? And then in verse, chapter 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Oh, how true that is. Proverbs 17, 17. One of my favorites I talked about at my table. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. And then chapter 19, verse 3, one I don't like as much, but it comes to mind quite a bit. A foolish child is a father's ruin, and a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a leaky roof. That one hurts. <laughs> that one hurts deep. <laughs> and then uh, Proverbs 22, verse 6, one that I'm sure came to mind at your tables. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, these are general principles of how to live and how not to live. And when we have a choice, we should choose wisdom over folly. But these are not assurances that if you choose, if you always follow wisdom, that things will always work out for you. The problem is that we are sinners who live in a world marred and broken by sin. In fact, just last night, just last night, friends, I chose the folly of quarreling with my spouse. And I didn't return gentle answers, like the text commended me to, but in fact I stirred up wrath with very harsh answers. And I fell prey to this summary verse, the summary truth that I think kind of sums up all of the Proverbs. It's repeated twice. This was true of me last night. There is a way that seems right to Amy, but in the end... It leads to death. I have to remember constantly that as hard as I try to follow these good principles, my heart is desperately sick. 
And I have to consistently repent and choose to trust the wisdom of God given freely to me in Jesus to produce his righteousness in me. Well, finally, the book of Proverbs culminates in chapter 31. The celebration of lady wisdom in the human form of a wife and a mother. Now, this poem was actually an oracle or a revelation, and it was attributed to this guy named King Lemuel, and nobody really knows who he is. And it was taught to him by his mother. And so the genre of this poem is called royal instruction. And it's kind of foreign to us in our sensibility, but think about our neighbors over in the UK honoring the queen mother as a source of wisdom and unity for their country. I think Solomon took, really enjoyed this poem. He found it to be instructive and helpful. And so he thought, I will use this to conclude my book on lady wisdom. I know that this can be a dreaded chapter for many of us. It's often been a dreaded chapter for me. But I hope that we can uncover some new truths about this chapter this morning. This Proverbs 31 woman is so accomplished that she is called a valorous woman. Your version might say a noble woman, but the, the word is actually translated valorous, which is a, a, a warrior term. It's an army term. She's a valorous woman. She's strong. And then the poem is an acrostic, which we totally lose because we don't understand Hebrew, but it's an acrostic, which means that every verse begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So like for us, it would be the first verse starts with A and then goes all the way down to Z. And when you have an acrostic like that, it, it, uh, it's like a clue to you that, that this is something that's talking about a sense of totality. It praises the achievements not just of one superwoman, but of all Jewish women who together demonstrate all of these different strengths. So whether she works in the home or out of the home, whether she wakes up early or she stays up late, whether she has children or she doesn't have children, she is a woman of valor. And the interesting thing is that the only instructive language is directed at men. In verse 31, it says, Her husband should honor his wife for all that her hands have done. Now, I'm not sure when this custom began, but even to today, Jewish households will sing the verses of Proverbs 31, 10 to 31, as the way to start their evening Sabbath meal. So it starts their 24 hours of Sabbath. It's a way for them to honor all of the women of their community, and specifically the matriarch of their home. I think that's so cool. I love the idea of adapting this practice as followers of Jesus, united in him together and in his righteousness. Maybe at your tables next week, you could take some time to celebrate each of you as a woman of valor. You all really certainly amaze me, and I'm comforted because there are many things in this poem that do not describe me, but they describe you, or different ones of you, and together we are the Proverbs 31 woman. I find great joy in that. Well, well Proverbs helps us see something very interesting, that Solomon was given remarkable wisdom and insight by God, but even he could not follow it. Remember back to 1 Kings chapter 7, 
We saw the start of his downfall when he built an even bigger house for himself than he did that wonderful temple that he built for God. And it was kind of a metaphor, I think, for many of the choices that he made. He chose his wisdom over God's wisdom. But the good news today is that we have access to perfect wisdom, even more than Solomon possessed in the person of Jesus. I love this passage in Matthew 12, 42, where Jesus himself is saying, the queen of the south, which, guys, is the queen of Sheba, the queen of Sheba is going to rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, someone greater than Solomon is here. Everybody should be coming to hear the wisdom that he has to offer. And he's going to do something new. He's going to do something great. He's going to restore all that was broken. So Jesus offers us the eternal life that was represented by that tree in the garden. In John chapter 10, verses 9 to 11, he said when describing himself as the good shepherd that we read about in the Psalms, he says this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But look at this line. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus came to give us back the tree of life, that abundant, abundant and eternal life that's found only in him, where we can access his mind, where we can have his wisdom. It's so beautiful. He reconciles us back to himself so that we can be reconciled one to another. And yet, the choice is still ours. He still gives us that gentlemanly choice. John 3, 36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So our homework asked us, Is it possible to be wise and reject Christ? Well, not according to God's word. If you haven't, I hope that today you will put the full weight of your trust in Jesus and in him alone. That's the only way. That's the only way to God's wisdom. Well, there's this beautiful picture in Revelation chapter 21 of the perfect man, Jesus Christ, being united with his bride, that's us, the church. And then John says in chapter 22, Beautiful words, he says. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. And then look at this part. And they, who is the they? Jesus and his very body, flesh of his flesh, his bride, they will reign together 
forever and ever. Just love that imagery, bringing us full circle. Well, I want us to close this morning thinking again about our little friend. He was so clearly loved. He was given a lot of freedom to enjoy his life with his friends. He knew when he had chosen poorly. He was compelled to confess. He knew he needed to think about what he had done, even though he was tempted to try to offer a solution to his problem. But in the end, friends, the same was true for him as it is for us. We are wise to say, yes, ma'am, to Lady Wisdom, and to trust the mercy of our good and gracious Daddy. So let's pray together. Oh God, we are so thankful, so thankful for your word, so thankful for the truths that we find there, so thankful for this amazing story that we can see from Genesis to Revelation of how you are bringing us together, back together from all that was broken. And God, we are so thankful for that, but we realize that it's a choice that we have to make to put our trust in you or to put our trust in ourselves. And God, we're asking for the, just the strength of the Holy Spirit within us today to choose you, to choose your wisdom, to choose to put our full weight, our full belly flop on you, God, to trust Jesus, his sacrifice paid for us and his righteousness given to us. And God, would you help us to live in it today and to do it with confidence in who we are in you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.